All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream. Uh, thank you for the YouTubers telling us that the mic was off um, as we kick off this week. And I was saying that we kicked off a great week of classes where we, we had our on-site classes kicked off and our ArcView classes kicked off. There were a lot of students in Sheikh Murad's Aqidah class. So you can still hop on to these classes at any time because you can catch up with the recordings. Plus, you get over 40 pre-recorded classes when you sign up at arcview.org. The purpose of ArcView is that when I give these public talks and any halakha, and you see any person in the masjid, and they just need something quick, and they need something accessible, and I want to explain something to you, I can't, so I, you just take this course. And we've made it like so cheap, it's basically free. It's $10 a month, and you get 40 pre-recorded classes. And as time goes on, we're getting better and better at classifying it, organizing it, and the classes themselves, we're working on getting better technology for the classes. So, uh, Sophia, I saw in class, Maham was in class for the Aqida class. So, uh, it was, alhamdulillah, a really great weekend, and you can join in at any time, arcview.org. Uh, today, Hanafi Fiqh, Ayyuhal Ahnaf, yeah, Hanafiyin, uh, Hanafi Fiqh with Sheikh Imran Ahmed. He's from Long Island, which is about an hour and a half away from us here, and he's a young sheikh who is very qualified to teach the Hanafi school, and uh, besides that, I, I, I don't know if I already talked about this, so I'm not going to repeat it about Sheikh Abdul Wahid al-Hambali and how his video has gotten everyone triggered and the amount of hate mail that I got, it was like crazy, but you have to be, as Alex said, quick with the block because there's no point in dealing with people. Uh, you don't even know you're dealing with maybe like an 18-year-old or something like that or a 12-year-old. I don't think anyone um, knows really who were behind these screen names, so you just ignore it, but... As Sheikh Hatsum al-Hajj said, the Salafiyyah and the Hanbali Madhab is something completely different. And you see that someone who was upon the Hanbali school, it'd be just, you're, you're talking to someone on common grounds. That other group, when you, when you say something they don't like, oh my goodness, the, 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 the hurls that you get when you say something that you don't like. So you have to get hate mail every once in a while because if you're blunt and you're straightforward about what you're saying, and you're not cutting corners, the people are going to hate on you. So I have no problem with that. I take it on behalf of uh, everyone else in the organization so that people know where our lines are. And our lines are with Sheikh Abdul Wahid al-Hambali's video that you cannot go through any subject matter, usul, tafsir, hadith, sharh al-hadith, lugha, fiqh, everything, at one point or other, you will have to rely in your research, in whatever, in the books that you, the, the maraja, the ummahats of these subjects. Okay? You will go through an ashari at some point. Not one, many. And when we say that, we mean ashara and maturidiyya. Many. You're basically cutting off all of the Malikiyya, all of the Hanafis, and all the Shafis. <laughs> when you're cutting off these two doctrines, these schools of aqidah. It's absurd. That's the majority of the ummah. Not the majority, like the, like the 90, who, who knows, what are like 90%, 85% of the Ummah, you're cutting them off? Ridiculous. And anyway, uh, people get triggered, and you have to deal with it, and that's part of life. Uh, nonetheless, 
Allah guide us in them. Surah Al-Qadri, Suratun Makkiyatun. It is a Meccan surah. Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. We have revealed this. What have we revealed? The entire Quran on Laylat Al Qadr. We have revealed the entire Quran uh, on Laylat Al Qadr. I'm agreeing here with Dino Palavra, pulling Nawawi and Ibn Hajar. That's it. What what other subjects? To be honest, I mean, who who else from the classical period? Why do we rely on them? Because they saw all the issues. Not all the Salaf had to answer questions. The first three generations did not answer all the questions because they never came up. These new questions never came up. So the latter scholars from the classical period and the post-classical period, like Ibn Hajar and Nawawi before him, Siyuti after him, they dealt with all these masail. And that's why we go back to them. Because they dealt with them and they answered them. You're going to deny it? You're going to put them as deviants? Listen to this uh, question from Khadija. On our view, there are two Aqidah courses. There's one, Sheikh Murad is for the first person taking the first level of, first Aqidah class ever. This is your first time actually formally studying Aqidah. Sheikh Osama is for those who have studied and they want to study the bigger book, which is Jawharat al-Tawheed with the Hashiyah of al-Bajuri. Okay. All right, let's... Um, Talk about inna anzalnahu fi laylatul qadr. Anzalnahu. It's referred to as a pronoun. And when you aggrandize something as an Arabic expression, you use the pronoun. Anzalnahu. Yani al Quran. Kinayatan an ghayri madhkur. Anzalahu jumlatan wahidatan fi laylatul qadri. Min al lawh al mahfudi ila sama dunya. From the lawh al mahfud. To the lowest of the samawat. Remember the samawat are different from the jinan. Jinan are paradises. And that's closed off yet. Until after the judgment. But above us are what we call samawat. Samawat which are skies and abodes that we cannot fathom their size. This dunya... This, which we, for which this galaxy is massive and we don't even know where we are in the galaxy. We, don't, we haven't seen the edges of the universe yet. Right? So we don't even know where we are. Are we smack in the middle? Are we off to the right, left? We don't know. Is the Prophet said it's like a ring in a desert. It's like a ring in a desert. So that's how massive the first Sama is. Sama al dunya. And then there's the next one. And then that is like a ring in a desert. And so on and so forth. That's how massive they are. And what happens there? Allahu Ta'ala Alam. Okay? Alright? Allahu Alam. So, the Sama' al-Dunya received the Qur'an from Allah al-Mahfuz. And that's what, it, what the meaning of Inna anzalnahu fi Laylatul Qadr. And that night was called Laylatul Qadr. The night in which Allah has decreed for this to happen. فَوَضَعَهُ فِي بَيْتِ الْعِزَّةِ And he placed it in Bayt al-Izzah. There. So he placed it in a physical form. Okay. Allahu alam. What kind of physical form? But clearly it must be a glorious physical form. Because these, semi, these seven heavens, seven skies, they have a physical nature to them. It's just not some cloudy spirituality that maybe some Western images give of the afterlife. 
or this is not even the afterlife. This is just the uh, 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 the malakut. This is the mulk. This dunya here. The other world is the malakut, and uh, it was placed in Beit Reza. So, what is Beit Reza? It is an abode. It is a Kaaba, the Kaaba of the lowest heavens, and it is right above our Kaaba. And seventy thousand angels go there every day for tawaf and never go back. They're not permitted to go back. But we are permitted uh, to go back to the Kaaba. That's one of the differences. Okay, That's one of the differences between uh, humans and angels. They go once, they never come back. Then Sayyidina Jibreel will come to him in phases over 20 years. Okay, 23 years. But it's un- to know that nujuman means in parts. So when najmi idha hawa, yes, it could be the shooting star that comes down like this, but it's also the revelation that comes down. ثُمَّ عَجَبَ نَبِيَّهُ فَقَالَ وَمَا أَدَرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ عَجَبَ نَبِيَّهُ And what is, so to, to heighten up, your interest about this subject, what is Laylatul Qadr? Heighten up your, in, your, your, your interest. Okay. What is Laylatul Qadr? Summiyat Laylatul Qadr li'annaha Laylatun Laylatul Taqdir al-Umuri wal-Ahkami. It's a day in which many things are decided once and for all. So all the ibadah, all the dua, all the sadaqah, and all the sins and all the bad things people did are weighed out. And then one of your destinies is chosen. Because for everything, that every choice we have, there is like a, an avenue. Uh, if I behave well, then this will be the outcome. If I be, don't behave well, this will be the outcome. And so on and so forth. Okay? So, the final judgment of how we behaved for that year is made on that day. So many people ask this question, how do I reconcile free will and predestination? Now, Imam al-Haddad, he didn't like to go into this. He said, the more you talk about this subject, the more you're confusing it gets. Others have tried to give it in a nutshell. And one of the best nutshells that I came upon is that all of your choices, you are merely choice choosing from one destiny to another. And that the answer holds that there are multiple possibilities that are all destined for you. It's possible that I put my hand up or down. There's, that's a destiny. There, this is, there's, both are predestined. Okay? So I'm choosing between things that are predestined. There's no such thing as escaping it. Okay? So, and furthermore, the most important summary is destiny and qadar only think about it backwards. Don't think about it forwards. Right. So you don't think, well, what's Allah's qadr for me so I can make a decision? No, you, you, you have no business with Allah's qadr. Allah's qadr, you can cite it after the event, after a matter takes place. Okay. All right, so let's now go to وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْرِ يُقَدِّرُ اللَّهُ فِيهَا أَمْرَ السَّنَةِ فِي عِبَادِهِ وَبِلَادِهِ إِلَىٰ السَّنَةِ الْمُقْبِلَةِ That the final say of that year is decided. Some have said that that's the Nisf of Shaban, but many, many have said it's Laylatul Qadr. That's why you want to be in a state of ibadah for that. Okay? You want to be in a great state of ibadah. 
on Laylatul Qadr. And you can't be in a great state of ibadah if you never do any ibadah before that. So, Laylatul Jum'ah is supposed to be a night of ibadah. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned it. Laylatul Jum'ah, we have to give ihya of Laylatul Qadr, uh, uh, of ibadah on that night. And then there are other times. Okay? Even in the daytime, uh, Wednesday between Dhuhr and Asr, we should have some ihya of, at that time, so at least some dua at that time. Ihya means doing various good deeds. That's what the Prophet used to do uh, in the last ten nights of Ramadan. كَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَ فِيهَا يُفْرَقُ كُلُّ أَمْرٍ حَكِيمٍ In Surah Al-Dukhan, فِيهَا يُفْرَقُ كُلُّ أَمْرٍ حَكِيمٍ On this night, every serious matter is decided. That's the meaning of that. Surah Al-Dukhan, and many attribute it to Nisf al-Sha'ban, and some attribute it to Laylat al-Qadr. وَهُوَ مَصْدَرُ قَوْلِهِمْ قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ الشَّيْءَ بِالتَّخْفِيفِ قَدْرًا وَقَدْرًا كَالنَّهْرِ وَالنَّهْرِ وَالشَّعْرِ وَالشَّعْرِ So, قَدَرَ قَدْرَ So, they're similar. وَقَدَّرَ بِالتَّشْتِيدِ تَقْدِيرًا بِمَعْنَى وَاحِدِ So, قَدَّرَ and قَدْر قِيلَ لِلْحُسَيْنِ بْنِ الْفَضْلِ أَلَيْسَ قَدْ قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ الْمَقَدِيرِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ has not Allah Ta'ala determined everything before he created the heavens and the earth? قَالَ نَعْمْ He said yes. فَمَا مَعْنَا لَيْلَةُ الْقَدْ Then what's the meaning of this final decision? Isn't it already decided? He says, قَالَ سَوَّقَ الْمَقَادِيرَ الَّتِي خَلَقَهَا إِلَى الْمَوَاقِيتِ So it is destined, but the timing and the execution is what's determined on Laylat al-Qadr. So it may destined for you that X, Y, and Z is going to happen to you, but on Laylat al-Qadr now, it starts setting into motion. And that's al-Qadha, is Allah's final will for something, and al-Qadr is the execution of it. That's the difference between the phrase Qadha and Qadr. Qadha is his will, but al-Qadr is the execution of the will. And it will be executed in phases, in stages, not all at once. Okay? Not all at once. سوق المقادير التي خلقها إلى المواقيت وتنفيذ القضاء المقدر التنفيذ So on Laylatul Qadr, it's the tenfeeth begins. It starts rolling into action. So you start meeting this person. And this person buys you that. And another person... Uh, makes you meet so and so and then this gets delayed and then within six months your life is totally different how did that be- happen it's because you met this person you moved here I mean Habib is behind the screen today we didn't know him until he moved here right when did you move here like during COVID right no, no like probably six years ago six years ago and then you only started coming to MBIC just like six months so you started living you were living in North Brunswick yeah oh okay you didn't even know the masjid until six months ago. Yeah. Here he is, sitting behind the screen. Uh, I mean, Ryan too, a couple years ago, was living a whole, so, somewhere else, totally different life. But little things happen, and you don't know what's happened. That's why you should just, everything that happens, you're, you're living in a movie, if you think about it. But people just don't appreciate it. 
every little thing that happens, you think to yourself, I wonder, don't try to guess. Let's just see. I wonder where this is going to go. So you just let it happen. Let things come to you. I wonder where this is going. You're not going to know right now. Don't try to guess either. You just, you don't know enough. And then a couple years later, less than that, a couple months later, you realize, oh, this could have never happened if that other thing didn't happen. And that's why you just let things come to you. And don't try to force your agenda on things. And then when you have a hope in something, there is no point in knowing all the steps. And this is what always frustrated me, frustrated me with people. You want to achieve something? Some people will not take a single step until it's like predetermined, safe, perfectly execute, uh, planned execution of every step of the way. And these people just frustrate the heck out of me. We don't know enough. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So all you do need is the first step, right? That's, that's all, literally all you need to know. If it takes a, a thousand steps, what is the point of studying step number 900, 700, 650? You're not there yet. All you need to know, can I physically move on the first step? Can I take the first step? If the answer is yes, then boom, take the first step. That's all I need to know. Because I can't take 600 steps. I can't take 12 steps. All I can take is one step. Anyway, so what's the point of thinking about step number three if I need to take step number two? So I just like to take step number one, right? Uh, Muhammad Daniel, how can I get into the Joharis Tawheed course? You sign up for ArcView Plus and Wednesday at 8.45. Wednesday at 8.45, click the ArcView Plus button, uh, Zoom, Zoom link. Okay? The ArcView Plus Zoom link, click it at 8.45 Eastern Standard Time. You will see Sheikh Osama and the PDF of Joharis Tawheed with Hashid al Okay, so now we continue. I love this technology. It's connecting Sheikh Osama, who is such a Sheikh that I'm like, it just boggles my mind that not more people are studying under him. But now we're connecting people to him. Alhamdulillah ta'ala. It's a lana. I really hope a lot of people take this. Joharat Tawheed. I'm myself, I'm, I'm sitting in the class. I'm going to sit with an incognito. Okay. وَقَالَ الْأَزْهَرِ وَلَيْلَةُ الْعَظَمَةِ وَالشَّرَفِ It is a night of greatness and honor. مِنْ قَوْلِ النَّاسِ لِفُلَانِ عِنْدَ الْأَمِيرِ قَدْرٌ So and so, he has a qadr with the king or with the prince. And that means he's got a great position with the king and the prince. Right? So it is an honor. It's a position. أَيْ وَمَنْزِلَ It's a position and a rank. يُقَالُ قَدَرْتُ فُلَانًا قَدَرْتُ فُلَانًا أي عظمته قَدَرْتُ فُلَانًا أي عظمته I, I, I gave so-and-so his rank. So that's from the other meanings of القَدَاء والقَدَر or the word قَدَر عظمته تعظيما وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِ which means they haven't given Allah his rightful rank right? or his due or his, they haven't under, uh, uh, given him the glory he deserves. Or they haven't believed in him with the beliefs that are correct regarding him. They thought low of him. Like who? Like those who feel that, hold that Allah is stingy. <laughs> right? 
بل يداه مبسوطتان ينفق كيف يشاء that they think Allah is stingy oh, he is not giving me anything there was a guy the other day who he had an issue and he had a lot of issues and he sort of a skin to be honest with you and he said Allah has oppressed me and he was he had reached out to a sheikh the sheikh said to him who are you to even oppress like who are you to even oppress why would anyone bother waste their time to oppress you right <laughs> what rights do you have over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he oppressed you except the, the rights that Allah ta'ala gave us وقيل لأن العمل الصالح يكون فيها ذا قدر عند الله كونه مقبولا so what is honorable about that night that the ibadah at that time is accepted by Allah which means it's an honor for us we are the one being honored by Allah accepting our ibadah on that night and he may accept on that night what he does not accept on previous nights Vantiview says, I'm the type to make a test schedule two weeks before a quiz and then get upset when things don't turn out the way it's planned. I could use this. And I like Mike Tyson's uh, saying, everyone has a plan until they get punched, right? And that's so totally true. And if you ever lived and, and did this and acted on this and had a perfect plan and then within two seconds the whole thing is shot, right, and blew up, then you realize that planning has like limits. What you just should plan is, what I think people should have is basic habits. Like if everyone has habits, the right habits, then whatever happens, like you'll, you'll be in a good position because your habits are good. You'll always be able to rebound from that situation. They differed on the time of Laylatul Qadr. فقال بعضهم, some of them said, إنها كانت على عهد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم رفعت. And one of the sayings, and this is not the, the correct saying, is that it was only in the time of the Prophet, Laylatul Qadr. And then it was raised up and it doesn't happen again. Okay? And that's wrong. وَعَمَّةُ الصَّحَابَ وَالْعُلَمَاءَ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهَا بَاقِيَةٌ إِلَىٰ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ And the majority of the scholars and the Sahaba before them were upon that it is every year until the Day of Judgment. وروي عن عبد الله بن الحسين مولى معاوية قال قلت لأبي هريرة I said to أبي هريرة زعموا أن ليلة القدر قد رفعت Some people said ليلة القدر is lifted up خلاص there's no more ليلة القدر قال كذب ومن قال ذلك He said he, whoever said that has told you a lie A lie meaning something that's inaccurate does not necessarily mean in the Arabic language that you intended to deceive somebody It's just something inaccurate كذب من قال ذلك قلت هي في كل شهر أستقبله is it in every month? He said, yes. It's in every month. Imam Malik used to spend the first night of every month in ibadah. The whole night. The, holding that, du'a is mustajab. And amal are raised in this night and answered in a way they're not answered every other night. وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ هِيَ لَيْلَةٌ مِنْ لَيَالِيَ السَّنَةِ and by the way, I didn't say that Malik said Laylat al-Qadr is the first every night. No, I'm just saying that he did ibadah on that night, all night. Holding that, it's different. It's, things are, the, the gates of paradise are more open on that night than any other night. And uh, many of them said, Hiya laylatun min layali as-sana. 
it's one night a year, and that's what the ummah is upon right now. حَتَّى وَلَوْ عَلَّقَ رَجُلٌ طَلَاقُ امْرَأَتِهِ وَعِتْقِ عَبْدِهِ بِلَيْلَةِ الْقَدْرِ لَا يَقَعُ مَا لَمْ تَنْضِ سَنَةِ مِنْ حِينِ حَلَفِ So if someone swears, I will divorce my wife on Laylatul Qadr. And we don't know when Laylatul Qadr is, right? So there's two opinions on this. Is that the divorce occurs after one year. Because guaranteed, Laylatul Qadr was happened on that one year. The other opinion is the divorce occurs after Ramadan. So when one Ramadan, full Ramadan passes, then Laylatul Qadr would have definitely passed. Do you mind putting up the Instagram comments? Because I can see the YouTube on my phone here. Yeah. Uga uh, Panda says, yes, there are hukuk we have that Allah has granted us. Namely, he has granted us the right to ask him and make dua for him. Okay? And he has given us that he will answer them. And he has promised us many things. And that he will give us Jannah if we worship him and we have Tawheed. Okay? Okay. AA says, step by step. Okay? Um, She'd like this comment of step by step. That's it. Why do I need to know 10 steps? I only need to know one step. Right? When I get to the second step, I'll figure out how I can get that second step. Right? Of course, some people are not that bright and they might jam themselves in a corner. So, yeah, that that uh, has to be thought out. You can't jam yourself in a corner. But usually, you learn that from experience more than anything else. So you have to make sure that you, you don't take the step that will jam yourself in a corner. But you don't necessarily have to know all the steps to success to, or to the goal that you're reaching. You just need to know the one in front of you. Now, let's continue. No, uh, question and answer hasn't begun, but I cheated a little bit. Yeah, Ibrahim Khan. All right. So when it came to Abdullah ibn Umar and he heard that Ibn Mas'ud said a year, he said, may Allah have mercy on Ibn Mas'ud. It doesn't he know it's in the month of Ramadan? Of course he knows, right? So, but he said this for a reason. He, want, he didn't want people just to rely on Laylatul Qadr being in Ramadan. So he wanted people to think that it could be any time in the year. So he said one year. But in reality, it's the month of Ramadan. So if someone says, I will do this, and he sw- makes any oath, and he hangs it uh, uh, on Laylatul Qadr, it, it takes place on the first of Shawwal, the next Shawwal, which is when we're guaranteed that Ramadan is over. So for sure, Laylatul Qadr will have happened. Okay. Why do I have a feeling that we did this surah? Then they, they talked about different nights in which they said Laylatu Sab'a Ashara Sab'a 17 20th And the correct one is that it's in the last 10 nights and it's unknown which night it's in. Okay, it's, it's unknown. That's the most correct statement. And that's what everyone's upon and everyone knows. All right. 
وعن هشام بن عروة عن أبي from هشام بن عروة from his father from عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يجاور في العشر الأواخر من رمضان ويقول تحرروا ليلة القدر في العشر الأواخر من رمضان seek out ليلة القدر in the last ten nights so we are it is an act of worship for us to seek it out we're requested to seek it out okay and Aisha said, رضي الله تعالى عنها, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يجتهد في العشر الأواخر ما لا يجتهد في غيرها. He used to put an effort in the last ten nights that he would not put in any other night. Also from the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم, on the authority of Sayyidah Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها, إذا دخل العشر العشر الأواخر, if the last ten nights enter from Ramadan, شد مئزره. He basically, what we would say, rolled his sleeves up. And he gave life to his night. And he woke up his family. What's that? We did the Surah Al-Qadr, right? So, that's what I thought. Oh, I'm going backwards. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going this way, but we're actually on Surah Tateen. The thing is this, I never mind, okay doing it anything again anything in religious knowledge you should actually um never hesitate to read it again or listen to it again force yourself because that's how you're actually going to memorize it all right so it's okay let's open with surah tatin and then we'll take uh, a a longer q a today because we actually haven't taken q a a long q a for a long time but yeah, well, as we were reading this, I realized we're like, I re- we read this part already. But that's okay. But now that we're, we're certain that we read it, so let's go to Wattini wa Zaytun, Qala ibn Abbas, Wal Hassan, Wa Mujahid, Wa Ibrahim, Wa Ata ibn Abi Rabah, Wa Muqatil, Wal Kalbi, Huwa Tinikum, Huwa Tinukum, Alladhi Takulunahu, Wa Zaytunukum, Hadha Alladhi. It is the figs that you do eat here and the oil from which you squeeze your, your uh, the olives from which you squeeze your oil. قيل خص الطين بالقسم لأنها فاكهة مخلصة لا عجم لها شبيهة بفواكه الجنة. It has no seeds in it, no peel, you eat it straight. Everything else has something that you don't eat in the fig. So, for example, an orange, you have to peel it. An apple has a core. Watermelons have seeds. Many of the youth don't know that. Believe it or not. You, did you know that? You didn't know that watermelons had seeds? Oh, my gosh. That's so hilarious. Back in the old days, okay, in the ancient times, in the 1990s, you used to take a bite of watermelon and you had to, you had seeds in it. There are little, little black seeds that are slimy little seeds, right, that slip around all over the floor and all over the plate. And, uh, yeah, they, it was basically you, the seedless watermelon, like, was amazing invention, right? I don't know if it's good for us or bad for us, but we're eating it. That's all you have. There's no choice now, right? Everything is seedless. To get a seedless watermelon in the old days, you had to pay, you had to pay extra, right? Uh, it wasn't a seedless watermelon. It was like cut watermelon, and then they, someone like took the seeds out or something. That's why it was expensive back in the day. But today, and you could take the seeds and stick them in the oven, and then 
come out halfway, cover them with salt, mix it all up, stick them back in the oven, and then you can have seeds. With, like you eat uh, seeds, like you know these baseball players who eat seeds. So uh, everything's genetically modified to the point that people don't even know, you know, these the what what things used to look like, all right, or what things used to be. So watermelons used to have seeds in them. Uh, everything used to have seeds in it. So they mo- they modified you know, all these things. But that's what he's talking about. The fig, it has nothing to remove. You eat it directly, straight as it is. Like it's not even on a vine. Oh, by the way, grapes. Yeah, grapes used to have seeds in them. Really? Yep. You, and, and you can't take them out. They're too small. Like, like, like they have like a pit or No. <laughs> you guys hear in this conversation, I love this. Is your mic on, by the way? Oh, my God. He said, did grapes have uh, seeds like a, like a pit, like cherries? No. Uh, they had, there were like three, four little seeds yeah. in a grape, especially the green ones. And you just, you just crunched and ate them. There's no point in taking out the grape seeds, right? And there were some grapes that didn't have seeds, but a lot of like green grapes had seeds in them. And that's what, uh, that's one of the things about Jannah is that in this dunya, even the best of things has a little nuisance in it. That's the dunya. Even the best of things will have a nuisance to it. But uh, in Jannah, it's pure. And that's one of the differences. So, I love, I don't know if he's going to mention it here, but I love another statement is that the, uh, the fig was something that the Arabs had. And the olive was something that the Jerusalem had. So it's mentioning both. It's swearing by something that is in Mecca and something that is in Jerusalem. And let's see if he mentions that. And he specified the olive for the a great number of benefits. It's a blessed tree. Allah has called it and a blessed tree. He said, no, these are not foods at all. They're mountains. They're two mountains. Okay. I don't know which what he's talking about, which mountains he's talking about, like what he's intending. So Qatada says the mountain that is as Damascus on it is Atin, and the Zaytun is the mountain that has Jerusalem on it. And for that reason, they produce those trees. So they mean by like the plane on which those trees come out. It's two mosques in, in the Sham area. Sham is Damascus and all the areas around it. Which the, which, uh, the French called the Levant, which is essentially what we call today Palestine, Jordan, Lebanon, and Syria. So the Umayyad Mosque and the Masjid Al-Aqsa. وقال محمد بن كعب التين مسجد أصحاب الكهف والزيتون مسجد إيليا. So the mosque, uh, Atin is the mosque in which the people of the cave 
those who are the sleep, seven sleepers of the cave, 309 years. And Az-Zaytun is the Masjid al-Aqsa. So Ilya, Ilya is one of the ter- names for Masjid al-Aqsa. Ilya is Jerusalem. Waturi Sinin. Now this is clearly Mount Sinai. All right, so Mount Sinai. So why do they go to this interpretation of mountains? Because the next verse is clearly a mountain. So what is the connection between foods and a mountain? So that's where they went into a ta'weed of it as something beyond the food. Because the next verse, Allah is swearing about the mountain of Sinai, so that, which is where Sayyidina Musa received his revelation. So then what, is, what are these the Tinu wa Zaytun referring to here? الذي كلم الله عليه موسى عليه السلام وذكرنا معناه عند قوله وشجرة تخرج من طور سيناء so Mount Sinai what's the difference between a jabal and a tur a jabal is rocky so you can see that for example like in calendars they show you this mountain that is a pure, purely a rocky mountain right it's all rocks that's a jabal but a tur is a mountain that has Rivers, caves, trees, goats, vegetation on the mountain. So you can't live on a jabal, but you could live on a tur. Okay, you could live on a tur. Uh, a tur has everything in it. And it is said that the first community of humans, Sayyidina Adam and his descendants, they lived on a tur. They lived on a, a, a lush mountain. So it rains on that mountain. There are rivers on that mountain. There are plenty of trees. Trees attract billy goats. That's your food. That's your meat. You eat those goats. There's plenty of birds. You can hunt those birds. There are caves. You take refuge and live in those caves and make your home inside of those caves. People talk about the caves as if it's like a bad thing that humans lived in. Where else are you going to live on the earth at that time? And you need the tour because everything's there. The early humans, if they didn't have the knowledge of farming, they took to a tour. And you lived there, and you had trees, vegetation, and you had your you ate from those leaves, and you ate from the animals that ate from those leaves, and so everything was there for you. you took took refuge with the mountain in the in the caves, and you drank from the streams. So the cave was also your place of safety, because you could cover a cave, right? You can cover the door of a cave, and so no cougars or or pumas would would attack you. That's, so that's probably how they lived in the old in, the, in those ancient times. وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينَ So why else did they ha- go to the ta'wil that um, the ta'wil of the Tini was Zaytun as being locations? Because the next verse after that mentions Mecca. وَهَذَا الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينَ This safe, this sanctuary. الْبَلَدِ الْأَمِينَ means a sanctuary. Okay. أي الآمن the safe the sanctuary يعني مكة يأمن فيه الناس people can take safety there even in Jahiliya if somebody went to Mecca that was a safe space you didn't um, arrest anyone there you didn't kill anyone there the Haram is a safe space هذه كلها أقسام مقسم عليه قوله لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن تقويم. All of these oaths 
lead us to one thing. We have created the human being in the best fashion. That's why permanent alterations, for no reason, are forbidden. All right? We've been talking about this a lot lately. Where is the line for altering the body? It is cor- correcting how Allah created you. All right? That is always fair game for you to do. To, cor- to, to, to correct an er- something that happened to your body back to the way Allah created you. All right? So someone says, well, what about getting braces? Allah did not create anybody with crooked teeth. He didn't create poor eyesight. So he, he created people. Every child's three years old, five years old, six years old, the perfect teeth, right? You as an adult, because of what you ate or what have you, your teeth got crooked, you can correct those. Same thing with eyesight. Same thing with skin. Baby comes out, four or five years old, perfect skin. So if somebody now has, you know, acne, I'll never forget that somebody I knew when I was young, they didn't have fiqh, they didn't understand, but they were very pious. That's a big problem. And the poor kid had a terrible case of acne, like really bad. They refused to fix it. They said, we do not alter the creation of Allah, right? No, alteration of the creation of Allah is if you have something that's fine and perfect as it is, then you altered it. No, but if it's as it was, as Allah created the person, then something bad happened to the person. You have every single right in the sight of Allah to, to return to how it was. It's called irja' ma saqat, irja' ma naqas. Returning what was lost, returning what was uh, fell out, for example, of a tooth or something like that. All that was permitted for a person. And there should be no haraj. Nobody should say, um, should be embarrassed that they need that type of treatment. can be returned yeah can be returned there, is your mic on now should I repeat the question yeah. I was saying um, when like people have cancer and they go through chemotherapy yeah and they like obviously the insides get improved but the yeah. outside is like deteriorated yeah it could all be rectified returned it all be returned and uh, Dino's question on the, or comment on the hairs Imam Nawi talks about this in Sharh Muslim which I'm going to be teaching Tuesday by the way just for everyone's FYI uh, and we're going to be reading from Kitab al-Raqaiq, the, the book on, um, towards the end, the chapter on the end. Okay, so, uh, which is about heart-softening subjects. That's what, so basically the tasawwufi element of things from Sharh Muslim. But when he goes on the hadiths of trimming the mustache, for example, or shaving certain hairs, so he talks about the removal of hair is always permitted, right? To remove any hair of the body. Why? It's because it's out of cleanliness. Because hairs, they attract, they hold the sweat. Hairs, they hold the dust. They hold najasa in certain parts of the body. So where the Prophet pointed to removing the hair from the pubic hairs and plucking the hair from the underarms, removing it permanently, so that was, these are the major places of dirtiness where sweat and najasa will be trapped. So he took from that, Imam al-Nawawi, that 
that is a sign that all, any and all hairs may re- be removed if they fulfill those two functions or, or if they have the, those two results. So if someone has a lot of hair, for example, on his chest, let's say, and it's resulting in like sweat is getting trapped there, dust is getting trapped there, he can remove it. So the only thing, of course, that you can't show your aura to somebody. So I know always people always ask about these like laser treatments that permanently remove hair from their, between their legs. That would be haram to show your aura to somebody. That procedure wouldn't be haram, but to show your aura to somebody for no reason that is necessary is forbidden. So Allah created us in the best of taqweem. Anyone who's tried to create an alien, then it's just hideous, right? Like no one has, no artist has ever produced like a, a rendition alternate form of a human that's any better than what we have okay they're still talking about grapes here because he created every human being with every, oh, sorry, every animal with its face down. Every animal goes down in its face, right? It, the way it is, it's down. Like there's no animal going straight up, looking straight up, except the human being. Straight up and look straight up, all right? And he takes his food with his hands. Okay? He doesn't eat with his mouth, all right? He doesn't eat with his mouth. He eats with his hand. However... However, we have returned him. We've returned him to worse than, than the animal. The worst of the worst. And he mentions here that is not only a moral claim, statement about him, it's not a moral statement only, it's also physically. The, he comes from the most beautiful and he returns in old age to to be arched back, the skin is loose on the body, it's wrinkly, they start shrinking, right? The teeth fall out, it's a terrible sight. And we should all ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection and afiyah from al-haram. And this al-haram is, you know, the haram is the pyramids. The haram, because your back becomes like a pyramid, you become like bent over. And uh, in the places where there have been places where the elderly, they don't have a concept of like exercising and to staying healthy. You should see what the elders look like. And they don't have medical care in, these, in many poor countries in the past. Probably still today. The elderly like really look, cause it's a sad sight. Like it's a disease in the sense of it has all the attributes of a disease without really being a disease. And there was a great poem by uh, one of the sh- <laughs> poets of the past. And he said, how can I describe old age? When you're healthy, you're sick, right? When you're healthy, when you have no sicknesses, old age itself, it's like you're, you're creaking, uh, nothing works anymore. You're always, t- he said, when you're with people, you fall asleep. When you try to sleep, you can't sleep, right? Uh, your default is that you're cranky. Uh, uh, things are always bothering you. Uh, and he says that you still have desires, but no one desires you. So that, Desires are still alive in the old people, but nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. There's no way to fulfill these things. And if you have uh, uh, an idea, you don't have the energy to fulfill it. 
There's no way to actually get up and do something. So this is one of the meanings of asfala safilin. Yeah, you just can't get any worse than this. So somebody has a uh, somebody has a good good health in old age, and their mind is with them, and they're happy. Usually, that's a sign of their good deeds in the past. That they had good deeds, and Allah's returning their good deeds to them. And the shiuch said, when they're asked, how are you so healthy in this old age? They say, we guarded Allah's limits in our youth, so Allah, with our limbs. So Allah guarded our limbs in our old age. And I remember Sheikh Hamza Yusuf mentioning one of the, I think it was um, um, uh, one of the shiuch of Mauritania, at the age of 70, hopping on a camel, like holding onto the, to the saddle, putting a leg, I guess in a stirrup, I don't know how they get on a camel, and jumping onto a camel. Of course, the camel's sitting, right? But still, it's really high. And he jumps on the camel while he's 70 years old. SubhanAllah. Great health. We got terrible health because I, I highly suggest to everyone to stretch because, because of the way that we live and the amenities we have. Muscles shrink, joints. I saw one time an old man, right, dropped something at a supermarket, him and his wife. They looked at it like it fell off a cliff, right? <laughs> no, that's so far down, we can't get that. I just bent down and picked it up, right? They're like, oh, thank you so much, son. We can't bend down anymore. We don't bend down anymore, right? They're like, that, they don't have salah. If they had salah, they could get bent down, right? And that's one of the wisdoms of salah, is that, it forces your waist to be moving all the time and your knees to be moving and everything to be moving. And so I remember Sheikh Abdul Hamid al-Mubarak talking when he's talking about the, the jalsa, the tawarruk, it's called tawarruk in salah. And he says it's sort of a shame that many of the new generation, because of the way, and I'm included, the way that we have chairs and everything, that their leg joints and their Achilles heel have just shrunk and they can't stretch. And he says most people cannot sit tawarruk any, anymore. Whereas that was a normal thing in the past. So in the dars, he, he advised everyone to stretch. Because you can uh, stretch out all these ligaments. All these muscles and ligaments and joints. It's just a matter of essentially uh, learning how to stretch consistently and correctly. But every one of us can become flexible. It's, it, it's the consistency of it, right? It's not necessarily the amount, because you can hurt yourself, by the way. And a lot of people who do this incorrectly stretching, you can really hurt yourself. So you got to be careful. So, But you, you stretch to a point that you know you're stretching, but you're not in pain, but you do that consistently. And eventually, it'll take years. You can do, you get that. And honestly, I really love looking at people who are, um, Ibrahim Khan, we're going to answer to you, what is tawarruk? Uh, tawarruk is essentially the sitting for tashahud with your, now pay attention here, your left foot under your right calf and your right foot facing out. So imagine someone sitting with the right foot facing out and then you slant that person a little to the left so that his, his left buttocks is, is it buttock or buttocks? Is it one or two? I don't know. His left butt, essentially, is on the ground. And his left foot is under his right calf muscle. And his right foot 
is on the ground facing to the right or like with the toes bent. It's hard to get. Yeah, I can't sit in it for too long. I can't sit in it too long either. I can do it on my left, uh, but I, it, it takes me a while to do it on the right. Yeah. But I love seeing some of the senior citizens in our neighborhood who are healthy. Like, it's, it's like that's how things are supposed to be. Because what else are they doing with their time? If they're retired and there are no kids, right, even if they have a job, right, what else are you doing with your time? So there are people who just sit like a log, and, and, and basically decay. And there are people, get up, let's do gardening, and let's walk, and you can see their face is different. There's blood flowing in their face, their bodies, their mood is out there. So there is, in our, in our cul-de-sac, there's a judge. This is crazy. This lady walks every single day. She walks like three miles, see her. This judge, believe it or not, um, her husband got killed. Yeah, her husband got killed by one of someone who was trying to kill her. So for about six months, she wasn't walking. Then for a while, she started walking again with a police escort walking behind her. Because someone that she ruled against came back to kill her. It was on the news. She lives in our development. She ki- the, the, the son and the, and the dad were killed. The son went to my school. You're kidding. You knew him? It's insane. He was, I think, two years above me. He played baseball. Wow. He passed away. They had, like, a whole tribute. Yeah, he was killed. So she ruled against a guy in a a divorce case. That guy went to kill her, hid in the basement, but then when the family came home, it was only the dad and the son. So he pops up to kill the judge, the woman. He ends up killing the dad and the son. And that's how the woman has to live with that. I mean, that's just, how do you go on with life? But this woman is an avid walker, and she walks all the time in the neighborhood. For, she didn't walk for like six months. And then she um, started walking with a police escort, right? And now there's no more escort because there's no more threat on her. They, they caught the guy that I think they put him in jail. So, but uh, we have other old folks in our neighborhood that garden every day. They do the gardening. That's how they pass their time. So you don't want to just die like this. Just sit there dying. And we have other things too. We have masajid. We have durus. We have all sorts of things you can do in the masjid to keep you social. So asfal safirin is not just morally you're low, but it's talking about old age. That's one of the things about it. And it's just because Allah says, رَدَدْنَهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِرِينَ But you, it doesn't necessarily mean you just capitulate to that. You can't possibly... Stay fit and stay active. And this is part of deen in, in a sense because if you're fit and active, you could do more ibadah. Ibadah requires fitness. Our mu'adhan and our imam, they're super about physical fitness because they say our job is sitting and standing. Like we, there's no movement. So between Maghrib and Aishat now, they turn the back of the masjid into like a fitness operation. And they, they stay physically fit. So, رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ Keep in mind, if you're young, whatever it is, keep in mind to stay physically fit from now so that when you reach that old age, you can still do ibadah, still be alert. Uh, your body, the body is, is a big part of this. So, he now says, يَنْقُسْ عَقْلُهُ أَيْضًا وَيَضْعُفْ بَدَنُهُ 
as we just said, his intellect softens and his body weakens. And the intellect will not soften if you keep it working. That's just how it is. Keep it working. Like a business. A business will not slacken if you keep having customers. Keep selling products. Good, bad, or otherwise. Just keep selling. You'll get better over time and you'll get through the hard times. But likewise with the intellect, keep it going. And the prayers in the masjid is the best way for people to keep their intellect going when they're older because you got to look at the prayer times. The prayer time is always changing. Sun is always moving. You're going to get there. You're going to talk to people, right? There's going to be someone moving a table, right? You do something with them. Someone's giving a talk. Your intellect will constantly be moving for us Muslims as by just showing up to the prayer times. All right? He continues. Okay. In this regard, are children who are weak and the elderly who are equally as weak. The difference is that children, babies are weak with beauty. Like you love to look at a baby, although it's weak, and you look forward to it living. The elderly, their weakness is not pretty. Uh, their, uh, their bodies are not pretty in weakness. And you just look forward for them dying. Right? Because that's the next phase for them. The next phase for a baby is to, to live. The next phase for a, uh, an elderly person is to die. There's a big difference there. That's why taking care of, of an elderly person is not like taking care of... It's harder. There may be even more reward. Okay? But the attitude's different because you're just sort of like waiting for them to die. Which is a bad thought. But many people have this thought. Okay? So... The elder old man is one of them. Safir in the in the physical sense. It's Allah left it uh, general so that it covers many things. كما تقول فلان أكرم قائم وإذا عرفت قلت أكرم القائمين وفي مصحف عبد الله أسفل السافلين كان مصحف عبد الله بمسؤول أسفل السافلين وقال الحسن وقتاد ومجاهد يعني ثم ردناه إلى النار يعني إلى أسفل السافلين لأن جهنم بعضها أسفل من بعض so now we get into the other meaning which is morally worse in the sight of Allah, the human being has the potential. So when Allah says we have returned him to Asfal Asafinim, that means he has the potential to be physically weak and to be morally the worst. The worst of the worst. Morally worst of the worst. Okay? Reading here from Tafsir al-Baghawi. And then into the fire. And in the fire, it's levels that are lower than each other. Okay? The worse you are, the lower you go. Then he gives the istithna. Except those who have belief. And I'll meet, let me tell you that health in old age is oftentimes related to belief. Why? Because a lot of people get depressed. Iman will get you out of that depression. Right? And there's a natural depression, I believe, if you ask me, that nobody should be ashamed of when they get into older age. Just like nobody should be ashamed if they, if they have, for example postpartum depression it's a physical hormonal change that's happening if a girl is going uh, and developing or a boy maybe too but they often usually talk about girls as she's developing in puberty their moods are altered because their body's changing so but 
for some people, this carries on. They have a midlife crisis because they realize life is passing them by. They have hormonal changes. We can adjust that. We adjust that with Iman. We adjust it with Iman. And the best way to increase your hope is ask Allah for something. Ask Allah for something that lifts your spirits. Right? And then work for it. Because we may be weak, but we know Allah is strong. Allah is, 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 is qadir and qawi ala kulli shay. Qadir ala kulli shay. All right? So, by that, it's, there is a mind over matter element that has to take place. Yes, my hormones are changing, everything's changing about me, but there's mind over matter at the same time. And there's no mind over matter better than hoping on one who is generous and capable. What else do you have to worry about? He's generous, and he's capable of, of, of giving you what you're looking for. And why wouldn't he answer you? Right, so you make Tawbah, and you get up in the last third of the night, and you have something to live for, something to hope for. It's the materialists who believe that I, there's nothing to be attained except by what we see. So I can't attain anything except that I have to attain it. And then they realize that I can't because I'm weak. Then he literally plummets into a depression right? because he has no hope. There's nothing to be hopeful for. So he talks about, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَإِنَّهُمْ لَا يُرَدُّونَ إِلَى النَّارِ They will not be sent to the fire. وَمَنْ قَالَ بِالْقَوْلِ الْأَوَّلِ And as for those who said that أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ is their physical weakness, رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ فَزَالَتْ عُقُولُهُمْ وَانْقَطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ وَانْقَطَتْ أَعْمَالُهُمْ فَلَا يُكْتَبْ لَهُمْ حَسَنَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا So he's saying here that if it's talking about the physical weakness, it affects people except the believers because the believer, his deeds will continue on. If he educated a child and that child goes on to make use of his education, he gets the reward of it. If he did good in giving charity, even if he's in old age, he continues to get the reward of it. Right? Everyone he did good towards and that person continues to do good to others, he gets the reward of it. Right? So that's the concept and idea of uh, negating... Uh, or making the believers an exception to the physical weakness, namely the reward will not be cut off. If a person used to pray and fast and give sadaqah and do good deeds and no longer can do them due to sickness or old age, Allah commands the angel to write it as if he used to do it. So let's say somebody used to pray their prayers in the masjid and fast once a week and give $100 a week in sadaqah. Then they started to get old and they started to get sick and they can't do it anymore. So did they stop willingly or unwillingly? Well, they stopped unwillingly, right? unintentionally. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala writes it as if he commands the angel, keep writing it as if they still do it. We ask Allah Ta'ala to protect us and our parents from al-kharaf, which is when the brain stops working, essentially. وَقَالَ ابْنَ عَبَّاسِ هُمْ نَفَرٌ رُدُّوا إِلَىٰ أَرْذَ لِلْعُمْرِ عَلَىٰ عَهْدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عُذْرَهُمْ And the Prophet ﷺ, in his time, according to Ibn Abbas, there were some people who were believers. And they entered into this old age in which they cannot function nor understand anything anymore. And the Muslims became like, well, how is he going to pray? 
what's he going to do? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they don't suffer anything that uh, uh, a loss of what they did and they're no longer responsible. Okay. And this is their excuse. So being old is an excuse for them. So they, they, end, they will end up not praying anymore if, if their mind can't function. That's an excuse for them. And, but it, they still get the hasanats of everything they used to do out of Allah's generosity. فَأَخْبَرَ أَنَّ لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ الَّذِي عَمِلُوا قَبْلَ أَن تَذْهَبَ عُقُولُهُمْ So Allah tells us that they get the reward of everything they used to do before they lost their intellect. Ikrima says, لَمْ يَضُرْ هَذَا الشَّيْخِ كِبَرَهُ or كِبَرُهُ إِذَا خَتَمَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِأَحْسَنِ مَا كَانَ يَعْمَلُ There is no harm for anyone who dies upon this if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judges him by the best of his deeds. وروى عاصم الأحوال عن عكرمة عن ابن عباس قال إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات except those who died and did righteous deeds قال إلا الذين قرأوا القرآن وقال من قرأ القرآن لم يرد إلى أرض للعمر whoever recites the Quran he will not be returned to this decrepit state and some people say that reciting the Quran means here any matter of knowledge, sacred knowledge, any use of intellect. فَلَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ أي غَيْرُ مَقْطُوعَ The elderly who die in this, or who are, die, who are going out in this state, لَهُمْ أَجْرٌ غَيْرُ مَقْطُوعَ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ يَعْنِ غَيْرُ مَقْطُوعَ The reward is not cut off. They continue getting the reward of all the actions they used to do. أي من العبادة وقراءة القرآن والعمل الصالح وما كان يعمل قال الضحاك الضحاك أجر بغير عمل they get rewarded without taking action ثم قال إلزاما للحجة فما يكذبك أي أيها الإنسان human being ما يكذبك بعد بالدين what is making you lie about this deen okay you have a clear evidence that there is a creator and a clear evidence that Muhammad is a prophet and a clear evidence that the Quran is the word of God. So what makes you lie, makes you reject this religion and that you will be judged? A deen here meaning that you will be judged on the day of judgment. Don't you look at your youthful age that has become so weak now? You're weak. Why would you lie? Who are you fighting against? The one who has taken such a strong person and step by step made him a weak, fragile creature. Don't you not believe that Allah is more powerful than you? Right? And you see nothing and a baby comes out. A full life. And then full strength comes out in the next generation that you're witnessing. فَمَا الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُكَ بِالْمُجَازَةِ بَعْدَ هَذِهِ الْحُجَجِ Look at these. This, your life itself is a proof. It's also a proof that this dunya is leaving you. If you're not divorcing the dunya with your heart, the dunya itself will divorce you. You don't have the energy to get up and chase it, and nobody wants to be with you, right? And from the worst tribulations of the elderly, they lose their sense of smell. So what, what happens when they lose their sense of smell? It's okay... So they start losing the enjoyment of food and they don't realize that they smell. Their house smells. 
You ever go to the senior citizens, like serious senior citizens' homes, right? And the house just smells terrible. They don't smell it. They lost their sense of smell. So they can't enjoy food anymore. Their house stinks because they can't smell anymore. They can't cook anymore because they can't smell. They can't taste. It's a terrible calamity. Ask Allah Ta'ala protection. And, but I've seen many of the pious, they don't have these. Allah has protected them from these. It's a big nama that Allah protected them from it. Closing ayah, Wise, this is wisdom. It's wisdom because the stubborn person who was stubborn because of his strength, stubborn because of his power, and, I, and we all know people, really rich, really powerful, you tell them fear Allah, he's not used to fearing nobody. Fast forward to when he's 70, the remote controls over there, oh, that's a big journey. The remote controls across the room, big journey, right? To get across the room, God forbids he falls. Oh, you're done with. One of the older people falls, he's finished. God forbid he ever has to have a surgery. You open an old person up, you ain't closing him up. Yes, they should, they should never do surgeries on old people unless it's life or death. And when they do, you're just going to discover more problems. You're going to create more problems. You, the ki- kids heal very quickly. Their skin is amazing, right? Their organs are amazing. But the elderly, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not closing them up anymore, right? It just doesn't happen. They don't heal the way they used to heal. To take tonsils out of an, uh, an adult, it's a dangerous surgery. Right, take tonsils out of kids. He's gone the next day, okay. And that night he's in the at home, okay. But something like that, they just keep bleeding, bleeding, and the skin no longer has the life in it. So to have a surgery on a senior citizen, yeah, on on an old person, all right. And it's said from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Man qara'a wa tini wa zaytun fantaha ila akhiriha Alaysa Allahu bi'ahkim al-hakimin Falyakul Bala wa ana ala thalika min al-shahideen He said of course he is And I am witness to this That Allah Ta'ala is the most wise Because it's a chance to my opinion For the, for the people who are uh, Who have done wrong in their life And have been stubborn in their life it's a way for them to realize, uh, let me be humble here because I can't even get across a living room to get the remote control. I should be humble here. It's a chance for the righteous to basically um, get hasanets for free. You get rewarded for free because once you're too old to get up for tahajjud, too old to do it, you get the hasanets for free. They also get many free passes as it was funny that one elderly man, his wife complained about him. He's losing his hearing, right? And he was an old man. And so his wife took him to the doctors. And the doctor does a whole checkup on him. And she says, ma'am, he's got perfect hearing, right? <laughs> so it turns out, because he has an excuse, because, oh, he's old. When he doesn't want to talk to somebody, he just doesn't even answer anymore, right? You got a lot of free passes when you're old, right? He just doesn't even answer. Because... Uh, I'm old, right? So people think I'm deaf. So if he doesn't want to talk to you, he doesn't even answer you. So uh, his poor wife, though, got angry. and said, you've been hearing me all this time. He says, how does he want to talk, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm old. I don't want to talk. I just want to sit in silence, right? 
I always wondered about someone who wants to sit in silence. Like, why would you want to sit in silence? Don't you want action? But uh, when you live maybe 50 years with a loud household, maybe you want to live in silence at some point. But the poor lady was so upset. Okay. Last hadith is from the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That كان في سفر He was traveling. So he recited فَقَرَأَ فِي الْعِشَاءِ He recited in Aisha in one of the rakahs وَالتِّينِ وَالزَّيْتُونَ So he recited it in Surah Al-Aisha. That's all the narration states. But the issue here is after you recite Surah Al-Teen or you hear it recited, you should say Bala and we should look at what the fuqaha of the madhahib said because I remember when you read tafsir and hadith there are commentaries on fiqhi matters but you should always look back because this may be one evidence there may be other evidences that will cause a different madhahib to say something else and Allahu Adam. so let's uh, open it up to our comments and our questions okay we have a number of people here and they're talking with each other, chit-chatting with each other. They're talking about, all right, uh, they're talking about sense of smell being related to memory, which is pretty uh, important. Um, it is. You can tear up when you smell something that reminds you of the past. All right. Uh, Moab says, if you have drains placed in your body post-surgery, draining body fluids around your muscles, can you pray? Body, body fluid around the muscle is not najis. The body fluid that come out of the intestine is najis. But nonetheless, if let's say someone has a bag for, let's say, where urine comes out of, can they pray? Such a person it would be considered sedis. It is recommended for him to make wudu for every salah. But if he did not intentionally break his wudu, then he may pray. But it is recommended for him to make wudu for every salah. How do we increase our love for the Messenger wasallam? When you're in trouble, wake up in the middle of the night and recite one, a, a, a good amount of salah on the Prophet wasallam. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that. Wake up the next morning. I can almost guarantee you, your trouble will be alleviated. And you will realize that even though we don't have the Prophet, we have the salah upon him. It's it becomes something that is a cause and effect. You realize the effects of Salah on the Messenger, peace be upon him, are so powerful. You start loving the Salah on the Prophet, peace be upon him, the act itself and the thing itself. Then you realize, well, why is this Salah on the Prophet special? Because the Prophet is with Allah very special. And the Prophet ﷺ had lamented that he could not be with those who come after him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him a gift. Those who come after you can make Salah and Salam upon you and they will have something similar to what those who are with you have. In other words, Sakina, Kashfil Ham, Kashfil Gham. What did the Sahaba, uh, how did they feel with the Prophet? If there was something on their mind, they go sit with the Prophet a little bit. Everything in their mind is erased. right? We do not have the Prophet, but Allah has given us a salah and salam upon him in which the Prophet promised your anxieties and your concerns will be gone even if the issue is still there but it doesn't it's not shaking me to the core anymore it's something that i can deal with so that's what we have uh all right that's that's what that's what we have in place of the messenger was we have salah upon him 
All right, so let's look at the question from Chayla White. Is it forbidden for a man to get a haircut by a female hairdresser? Most likely the answer is yes. If she's touching skin to skin, if she's touching only his hair, then, you know, they're, if he's touching only his hair, then we may consider that that may be a little bit different. But nonetheless, um, it would be uh, not appropriate for a man to get a haircut by a woman. Oh, someone says she's very old. Well, I'll add about that. But um, in general, yes, we don't get haircuts from women. We get haircuts from other guys. What's the easiest way to wake up for Tehajit? Sleep very early. Or like ridiculously early. I'm telling you, you wanna you want an amazing experience. Sleep ridiculously early. You will sleep so so well. You may even get inspirations in your sleep because you sleep so well and your mind is so healed. And then you will get up for tahajjud. You'll get up whenever you want because if you sleep ridiculously early, I'm talking like 9 p.m. That is ridiculous, right? But try it. Pray Aisha. As soon as it comes in, and sleep right away. You will feel like a million bucks by 6 a.m. And then you're going to get up, and you're going to do stuff, and you're going to realize you achieved more by 8 a.m. than you had achieved the whole day otherwise. That's the secret. What's, is there a dua for improving memory? Uh, memory is essentially by practice. And it is said, Allah knows best, that... Um, it is said that the memory has no limits. That a person's physical memory can, act, can be stretched to no ends. And that's how it explains that peop, places that don't have a lot of technology, they, they remember entire ballads. Like a book this big, they can memorize it. It's absurd. But it's, it's, that's, they memorize dictionaries in, in Shankrit. Some jobs like being a bus driver are very difficult to pray on time. Okay. Then you don't take such a job. If the job requires you driving locally, so you're not travelers, you have no way to do traveler's prayer. You're just driving locally the entire time and there's no break for the no break for us, no break for Maghrib, then you can't, I don't know how you're going to do the job. How could you do that job? What was the aqid of Abdul Qadir al-Jailani? He was a Hanbali. What about a Tirmidhi? La Adri. Allah Moab, an old man got angry at me recently for pointing my feet towards the Qibla. This is not a custom. This is respect. He was correct. Uh, Imam Ahmad didn't even let his son point his feet towards the house of a Shafi. Pointing your feet out in the old world is disrespect. That you can't put your feet out in front of, her, for example, in front of your uh, your dad or your mom or an elder. You can't even cross your feet so that your foot is pointing to an elder. The Americans don't have these rules, but we do. No, I remember going off my mom, like, anytime I was putting my feet out, like, immediately. We would, like, immediately. I still do that with people who do that in the halakha and the khutbah and stuff. I really wish that we could hire a security guard for the khutbah, for Juma. No, no leaning against the wall. Every, every year or something, I call someone out. Someone, sometimes they're absurd what they're doing. One guy was talking on the phone. He doesn't know the adab of Jummah, right? 
Where is the green scarf from? Habib. Habib just got there. Where'd you get it from? Canada? Yeah, if you want to. What the web, What was the website? Reed says, what is the line between being hopeful and unrealistic? Um, the line is, is pretty far off. The line is basically that we're allowed to hope for anything that is not contradictory to the Sharia or to nature. For example, I want to try to live without drinking water. I want to try to never sleep ever. Like that, you're, things that contradict nature, and things that contradict Sharia, of course. So you see how far off the line is. Everything else we can be hopeful for. So that's it's pretty generous from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Seiko ninety five on Instagram says, "Please explain. I don't understand what you thought you should point your toes and while bodies towards the Kaaba when praying." Yes, we point our toes, but we don't point the bottom of our feet. When you sit towards the Kaaba, sitting down, you don't point your bo- the body, uh, the bottom of your feet towards the Kaaba. But you point your toes in the Salah. Your toes should always be pointing towards the Kaaba, the Qibla, but not the bottom of your feet. Uh, never in the Salah is the bottom of your feet. That's the issue, not the toes. The bottom of the feet. Ibn Arabi, we say about him, he was... Uh, a pi- uh, one of the Salihin and the Awliya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we don't read his books because they have many confusing things in them due to either them being altered or he being in an alternate state in which we just don't understand what he's saying so the Ba'arawis they disallow people to read his books uh, Haq 123 last you were mentioning about doing good deeds when you're in a trial what about when the trial is a jinn who stops him from worship and he can't find a cure? I don't know anything about that, to be quite honest with you. I, I can't give you a ruling on that or any statement of value because I don't know about that. The jinn that stops him from worship, Allah alam. You mean, I don't know. Can a woman sit and pray if she has a stomach ache? She can only sit and pray if she cannot stand, essentially whether that's because of for whatever reason. If she can't stand, then she can sit down. Because standing, remember, is fart. Lego Man 11 says, if God says, look at the ending of how we dealt with the rejectors, does it talk about the opposite as well, those who ending of the pious? 100%. 100%. Okay, 100%. You look at the reward of the pious and look at the, re- the punishment of the impious. And one of the things I loved about the path of Dean is that when I, as a youth, there were pious group of people and there were impious group of people. He, at the moment, the impious group of people were always making fun of the pious people and looking down on them. And you felt a little bit like, uh, I'm, on the, I'm, I'm not really with the cool camp, right? As time progressed, though, you forgot about those other group and they did not age well at all. They aged, they were very lonely, okay? They were very uh, uh, grumpy, grouchy, and had purposelessness in their life. Whereas those who had piety, that community that was mocked, they aged together. They had stuff to do. Go to Umrah, have grandkids. Your kids are still around. The other group, their kids all left. Right? And didn't either didn't marry or didn't have many kids. Like empty homes. 
no grandkids, no weddings. This other group, okay, it's very simple, pious people, but Allah filled their life with people and things to do. Engagements, marriages, friends, masajid to go to, umrah to go to, hajj to go to. So many things to do. They're, they age way better. I've heard that Ghazali repented in on his from his aqidah during his latter days. No, that is not true. He kept the same aqidah. Okay, everyone repented on their deathbed. Is that no? It's very rare to actually for that to happen. But he, uh, in other words, from the big scholars that they talk about, they always make this claim. But most of them, those claims are empty. But what he did say is that the kalam. Theology, the dialectical theology, the argumentative theology, the, those, that theology that answered questions uh, that were brought up later. Okay, those questions, he said that that's not what builds up your iman. That may be a cure for a heresy that we had to combat, but what builds up your iman is just general exposure. Keep it simple and just expose yourself regularly to the deen. Right? Stories of the prophets. That's what will build up your iman. That dialectical theology may be necessary to refute heresies, but that's not what builds you up. What builds you up, your faith, is just exposure to religion. Is there anything I can say after finishing a bit of learning Arabic? I don't understand the question. I don't understand it. Is there anything I can say after finishing a bit of learning Arabic? Which I guess what you could say is that you learned a little bit Arabic and now it's time to take it to the next level. Abdul Hadi says, a while ago in a previous NBF you said that a certain tariqah, Sufi tariqah, was a tariqah of the urban and the city and that was a shadiliyah, yes. Imam Abu Hassan al-Shadili would not take a disciple unless he had a job right, and, and was, was employed. He wanted people and he, and, he, and he taught people assuming that they're living the city life. That's how he guided his disciples. The burn the agar body. How often? What is that? I don't know what that meant. The agar body? I've heard of it. I guess it's like a, a natural, maybe it's connected to memory. Who knows? I think that the only way to strengthen memory, it's not by any food or anything, it's just simple fact of ex- exercising your memory. Uh, Qasim RV, let's see if this is Qasim who has dreams. I've heard that death is painful for the believer. Every death is not easy. No death is easy. But uh, I heard it's like hair coming out of dough for the believer. Yes, the, the, the onset of death is always scary. Okay. The onset of death is scary. But Allah Ta'ala makes it the actual process of death easy for the believer because his soul is not attached to the dunya. But for the kafir, it's the like pulling cotton out of its of its um, source. So it's like tearing their soul. Alright. Abdul Hadi, knowing that Allah created us in the best form, what do we say about people who are born with deformities? Yes, that is a reminder of his power. It is a reminder. But if they can fix it, they can fix it. Just like Allah created people to be poor. It's to remind the, the, the rich that they have something, but also to give them a chance to give sadaqah. 
Is someone sinful, says Sophia, if they pass by a beggar without giving them anything? No, and especially if the beggar is a young man who has the ability to get up and work. Because you're actually ruining society by feeding this. Um, I like in Morocco, you have to get a, a license to beg. And the license to beg, yeah, you get a license, believe it or not. Yeah, and that license also says that you're zakat eligible. So if you have any deformity, like you're blind, you lost a limb, all that, you have a license to beg. You can't just, no, they have to see something about you, right? And they literally give people a license to beg, and they wear, like, they have a card, basically. I'm a card-carrying beggar, right? I can accept zakat. They have to make sure you're not from Ahl al-Bayt, right? So there's two levels to it. So, um, really smart system. And if you're begging without a license, you're out. Because that's what we need to have. You need to have someone who, uh, you can't have a city out of sympathy, like the way that our cities have become in the, these Democrat-run cities are terrible. They just want to, there's lawlessness all over San Francisco, and they're calling themselves, what are they calling themselves? You know, these cities that, sanctuary cities, oh, bring anybody, chaos. This is not sympathy. This is not empathy. Order and empathy are not at odds. That's the problem with some people's thinking. They are not at odds. Okay, You need to have order. But you can have order and mercy at the same time. And the people who want to receive mercy have to have sabr. Right? If someone comes to ask for zakah, have sabr. There has to be order in our distribution of zakat. It's not just reach in the box and give. Because that, in the long run, harms more people than good. The right way to do things is to receive uh, people's information in an orderly fashion and then allot the zakat based upon their need. Some people one time, some people monthly. Based on the first come, first serve. Not just... Oh, I came for zakah, have mercy, give it to me right away. No, there's order. So there's order and empathy and rahmah, mercy, are not mutually exclusive. And the one who wants the mercy has to have sabr too. You can't have mercy when you want it. You have to have mercy and you have to have patience. You have to, follow, you have to lower your ego because you have to follow the protocols. You got to follow instructions. You can't have things the way you want them to be. And people who do this, you end up with more um, benefit than anything else, than previously. Caitlin Joham says, I always feel disconnected spiritually after socializing with people. Why is that? That's because uh, when our attention is directed to the creation, it's not given to the creator. So you calibrate by not taking so much um, time with people. Every, take a break from them. And don't engross yourself with the creation so much. Take a break from the people. What is the question underneath it? It says, from Jethro, is it permit? go back, is it permissible to ask Allah in English in sajda? It is. It is. In the Madiki school only. If it is impossible, if you cannot, exp- um, if you cannot express yourself in the Arabic language. Right? If you cannot express yourself in Arabic, you may make dua in any language. Agrabati, but what was the purpose that Agrabati was brought about? How do you convince a family member, says Kamar, who doesn't pray to start doing it 
keep praying in front of them, right? And you should keep after them in some way, shape, and form. What's that? The incense is good for memory. That's what the Incense is good for memory? I don't know about that. Moab says, uh, but Bilal stood on top of the Kaaba. Are we confusing deen with culture? To a degree, it is a culture of city folk that putting your feet out in front of people is, um, or in, towards the Qibla, Yes, it is a habit. However, it is a habit that the scholars have upheld, right? It will always be bad manners to stick your feet towards something. Standing on the Kaaba for a functionary purpose is not disrespectful. He's not sitting back putting his feet towards the Kaaba. He's standing on it for a function. And nobody stands on the Kaaba anymore after that. That was an exception. Yeah, that's, that's an exception. All right, let's see what else we got. Abdullah U.S. says, what about being a groundskeeper for an institution like Seton Hall? It's explicitly Catholic and has a chapelle on campus and statues all over the place. Okay, let's just put it as this. Can I cut the grass of a church and take money for that? Forget Seton Hall. Let's just go straight to a church. Well, the rule is this, that if the essence of an employer is, is a halal product or service that they offer, then you may work in it, but not work in, the, in anything that is haram in it. So, for example, uh, a supermarket. It's halal to work in a supermarket, but you cannot sell the pork and the alcohol nor handle any of that. Because the essence of the supermarket is food. And the food is a halal thing to sell. So if they have something haram in there, then you don't do that, but you can do everything else. If the essence of the company or the employer is that their product and service is forbidden by the essence of it, such as spirits, the um, liquor store, liquor company that's all over New Jersey, then you cannot do anything for them, right? You cannot do anything for them. You cannot even change their light bulbs. So a church then, it, the essence of the function of this church is to spread the Trinity, right? So therefore, that would actually be worse than a liquor store, right? So by the principles that we've established then, or that are established, then to do any function for a church would be forbidden. So that's the answer to the question. And what is Seton Hall? That's the question. How do we conceptualize Seton Hall? A, is it an institution dedicated to spreading the Trinity? Or is it just a college that's owned by Catholics? Uh, go back and look at it yourself and make that assessment. Because there is a big difference between a supermarket owned by a Christian or, or a college owned by Christians. He can put the cross wherever he wants, like a supermarket, okay? Uh, He puts his cross wherever he wants, but it's not peddling the Trinity. It's not selling the Trinity. It's selling food. 
that's fine, right? He could work there. But is Seton Hall a school that is out there to teach the Trinity to everybody? Or is it just happens to be a regular college that teaches all the subjects, and it just happens to be owned or managed by Christians who put their crosses everywhere and have their priests? I personally think it's the latter. Because I don't think anybody goes to Georgetown and Seton Hall expecting to get preached at and to become a Trinity preacher. It doesn't happen. These are the most atheist places in the world, even though the school isn't, but the people are, and the professors are, right? There are plenty of irreligious people all over the place in these places. So I personally, my conception of Georgetown, Seton Hall, all these, Notre Dame, I think Loyola too, all these Catholic Jesuit schools is that they're just regular colleges now. And they just happen to be managed by a Christian group, by uh, uh, the Jesuit order of Catholics. That's my conception of it. So it's very different than, let's say, the college that produces priests. That's different, right? Because clearly you're going to be preached to, to be taught the Bible and the Trinity, and to teach it to others. So therefore, personally speaking, from like, uh, from this glance at it, there should be no haraj to work at Seton Hall. And uh, you can go ask other shiuch about that too. Ask and, and see what they say about it. And tell them basically what I said. Is that the conception of the principles that we talked about, the essence of the job, and then the, how we conceive of Seton Hall. I personally feel it's a regular college that is just managed by Christians. Rutgers is a regular college managed by people who have no declared religion. It's the state of New Jersey, right? Uh, tons of private schools out there, regular schools, managed by people who have different beliefs, okay? And they just happen to be Christians. So that's my conception of it. When, when, you say, when someone says, I graduated from Seton Hall, nobody expects you to, like, be preaching, to be a preacher. But there are priest schools, Schools for priests, priests. And if you say, I'm a graduate from there, then yeah, we expect you to be a priest, right? And that your life mission is to spread the Trinity. So I hope that answers the question. All right, it seems like there are no more questions on YouTube. Either that or my thing he failed. Okay, my YouTube chat is failing. But we will stop here, inshallah ta'ala, as it is now 3.30, so a basically a two-hour stream, which is decent. I know the audio was cut in the first 10 minutes. But jazakumullah khairan, everybody. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept this uh, two hours of dhikr, remembering Allah ta'ala through remembering or mentioning or reading from his tafsir. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't know why my feed is not showing up. My YouTube feed is not yeah, it's not going. I, I, it never stops, but it stopped this time. But may Allah Ta'ala accept from us, and may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala um, enter us into the state of istiqamah and grant us sincerity as we live and die until the day in which we meet Him, and let our final days be the best of our days. And may Allah Ta'ala answer our dua and answer everybody's 
dua and may Allah Ta'ala inspire us to ask that which he wills to answer for us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu aminu salihat. Watawasaw bilhaq. Watawasaw bilsabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Oh